The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to You're Gonna Love Me, the podcast where we open the eyes, the ears, and the hearts of anyone who has judged or been judged. Well, hopefully. I'm your host, Katie Maloney. Well, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to an all-new episode of You're Gonna Love Me. It's obviously me, Katie, but I'm not alone today. And if you did not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So today I have a very special guest. She's an author, an entrepreneur, and a host of not one but two podcasts. So to kick off this month and talk about all things mental health, I have Scout Sobel. So welcome, Scout. Hi, Katie. Thank Thank you. Thank you for coming today. I'm really excited to talk to you. I'm so honored. This is going to be good. I love (laughs) that you're going to talk about mental health. I love that there's a whole month around it now. So I think we're going to get into some good conversation. Well, yeah, I think it's something that we need to talk about more, and especially in this month, too, because I feel... I feel like there is, unfortunately, still stigma surrounded around the topic and people don't know how to breach it. They don't know how to, you know, ask for help. They don't know how to ask their friends for help. They don't know how to ask for therapy if they need that. So you have a book called The Emotional Entrepreneur, which I have in front of me and I've just started reading. And I think it is such an incredible tool for anyone who's trying to navigate their own complicated emotions, whether it's, you know, in the professional world or just, I think, in life in general. And so it basically it's lessons that you've learned along the way. So I think the best place to start would be to talk about your own mental health journey. Yeah. So, I mean, it really started when I was pretty, pretty young around the age of four, but I kind of like to start the story at the age of 14 when I had my first real depressive episode and I started not taking care of myself. I started self-harming. I started doing all sorts of things out of desperation to figure out what was going on in my mind. And my school found out about the self-harm and the anxiety attacks, et cetera. And I was put into therapy at 14 and I'm 30 now. So this was 16 years ago. I was the only person I knew in therapy. I went once a week and I went up and down a lot in high school. I went between kind of stages of mini euphoria to not being able to finish my homework out of like complete emotional paralysis. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I left for college that things start to really progress. I mean, when you're when you're in high school, they kind of chalk it up to hormones sometimes and they're not sure, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Blessing and curse, right? Like, I think it allowed me to figure out my mental health, but I also think some of it was dismissed as a normal hormonal teenager. Mm -hmm. So when I went to college, I started developing a real sense of psychosis and um, paranoia. So I started thinking that men were following me home, that they were under my bed. And I had like a finger in reality, but I was afraid that I was going to lose that sense. And it started to... a conversation started being had with my family that maybe something more was happening here. And so at the age of 20, I was formally diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And I immediately dropped out of college. And that was when I was 20 years old. And since then, 
it's been a long journey for the first couple years. I wasn't able to hold a job. I tried to be a gelato scooper, a barista, etc. I wasn't able to hold an internship. They locked me up on a 5150. I went through outpatient twice. I tried every medication under the sun. And I'm sure we'll get into it, but I had a catalyst moment with my husband, uh, now husband, then boyfriend, and started taking my healing into my own hands. And very quickly, the conversation around, will she be functioning because she can't hold a hostess job, to finding entrepreneurship, which allowed me a vehicle to express myself, to manage my mental illness in that sense. And so today at 30, I think around the age of 28 was when I actually started feeling strong enough to feel safe within my mental illness and my emotional experience. Wow. So it was just all around completely debilitating. Yes. I mean, is that I think that's as worse as it can yeah. can get. It can get worse, but yeah, debilitating is a good word to use for it. And back then, you know, there wasn't Instagram. So there wasn't uh, even like, which is a good and a bad thing. But for yeah. me, it was a bad thing because I didn't know anyone who even was diagnosed with anything. There was no podcast to listen to. There was no... May Mental Health Awareness Month, I felt alone and crazy and done for. And I had to navigate my healing my own way through like the self-help aisle at Barnes right. & Noble. So yeah. it was a little tricky. I mean, what does that diagnosis even look like? There are so many complexities. It's yeah. not as it's just it's not the mind is not simple enough to, to pinpoint it. Yeah. And I think that they try as, as much as they can, which is why they give titles like bipolar or depression, anxiety, etc. For me specifically, I'm type two. So I lend more towards the depression side. So I get hypomanic. I don't get actual manic episodes. Mm -hmm. So I go down. And then when I'm up, it's just like this kind of, I just kind of feel like I'm on ecstasy a little bit at times. Really? <laughs> and so for me, the depression was always the worst. But I've had a bunch of random symptoms like catatonia, where when I'm when my mental health is in overdrive, when I'm depressed and anxious for a long time, I'll become completely paralyzed for up to hours. I get really slow in the speech. My cognitive abilities kind of slow down. So that's like a like a percentage of bipolar people also suffer from catatonia. So you're right. It is every single person's experience is different. And I think, you know, we can get into a whole like, I don't know if argument's the right word, but debate around whether labels are good or bad at right. times. I think they're necessary at times and unnecessary at others. But I think it's just a way for them to for the doctor to easily understand me if they're new or they don't know me very well. Right. It's just like an easy way to fit a box. When you would have certain like, let's say not episodes, like w would you be able to understand when something was coming on or would there be certain triggers that would bring on certain depression or catatonia? When I was younger, it was just an overwhelming blurb. Mm -hmm. And I talk a lot about the fact that at one point I got very addicted to being depressed because it allowed me to not take responsibility over my life or mm -hmm. to take healing into my own hands. It allowed me to play the victim in many ways. It allowed me to live in my mom's house in West Hollywood and not work while my friends were trying to figure out their adult life. So I think in the, my early 20s, it was just this quicksand and I was along for the ride. I wasn't really trying to get myself out of it. Once I took radical responsibility for my situation and stopped playing the victim, that's when I became more emotionally aware. 
And that's when I started tracking myself and figuring out my triggers and noticing when I felt off. And so today I can very early intercept, very early say, if I don't take today and tomorrow off, this is going to escalate in a way that I don't want it to and, and that I can foresee it escalating into. So that took a lot of practice. But in the beginning, it was just, this happens to me and I have no control over it. And it's a chemical imbalance. And when it strikes, it strikes kind of conversation. And now I I take a lot more action and responsibility around that. So when you first decided that you were going to take you know, radical action, what was the first step there? Because I know some people are just like, okay, I recognize this. I know I have to do something, but I don't know even where to begin because you're just so deep in Mm -hmm. it and you're just, you feel lost in it all. Yeah. So I am so grateful to my husband. We were dating a couple months. He's 12 years sober now. And um, he looked at me, I think two months into the relationship and he said, listen, I don't care if you're depressed. If you're depressed and hopeful, I will stay in this relationship. If you're depressed and hopeless, I won't be here. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) And all of a sudden I said, oh, I can just have hope. Like that's just this free thing that I can add into my life that I can feel. And so after losing college and job interviews and opportunities and feeling like I was going nowhere, I decided that he was the last thing, like he was the end of what I was going to lose and I was going to hang on to that relationship. And so I added in hope. I, I tell a lot of people when they're in the depths, it's really hard to take away. Like it's hard to be like, okay, I'm trying to get my depression out of me. That's a very difficult first step. It's a lot easier to say today I have hope or today I have faith or today I have love or today I'm grateful for something. So I added in that emotion And since there was no Instagram or podcast or anything like that, I Googled support groups. I was living in LA. I went to support groups a couple times a week, which are an incredible free resource for anyone dealing with mental health struggles. NAMI has support groups all the time if you look it up. So I started doing that. I started writing down three things that I was grateful for because I read a book that told me to do that. I went to the self-development aisle in Barnes & Noble and loaded up on books and just in the action of taking action and not just passively going to therapy and being like, well, there's a chemical condition. So sorry, this is happening at this moment. Just the act of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take control or I'm going to start implementing things into my life. I suddenly was able after about a year to start functioning in society and hold down a barista job. I wasn't by any means completely stable. I hadn't yet figured out the self-awareness stuff and how to take care of myself, but at least I had some level of confidence in the fact that I could take care of me a right. little bit. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that got to be empowering yeah. in, in, in ways that you probably hadn't felt before. Yeah, I don't think I was conscious of that in the moment, but as time went on, I, I got stronger because I survived different mental health challenges that appeared. All right, we're going to take a break to talk about vaginas. That's right. I just said vagina on my podcast, but I want—I specifically want to talk about feminine care and feminine health because I don't think we do that enough or often at all because for whatever reason, it's stigmatized and it's stupid. But, you know, if you've ever gotten cozy or close enough with one of your girlfriends and you, you know, bring this up, you find out that you have a lot in common because we all do because... 
as unique and amazing as the vaginas are, they, they kind of operate pretty similar. <laughs> so if you've ever had a weird itch or dryness or odor, chances are every female next to you has as well. And it usually ends up being, you know, kind of an amazing time that you spend together. But, you know, it, it does suck when these problems arise because it will zap your confidence. And I don't want you to feel that way. But I want you to feel confident being intimate with your partner, going to the gym or putting on that bathing suit, which is why I'm so happy that I found PhD Feminine Care because it changed my life. Honestly, PhD offers trustworthy feminine care products that really actually work. When your feminine issues arise and you want a solution immediately, these products are a godsend. Plus, it's a female owned and founded. And I love supporting businesses like that. And plus when it comes to feminine care, you, you know, that's amazing that it's female owned and, and founded. The Boric Acid product from PhD is, it's incredible. I've been using this product for years. It works. It's amazing. Boric Acid is a natural compound found in seawater and has been recommended by doctors four decades as a safe holistic alternative. And the PhD's boric acid is the number one doctor recommended brand of boric acid vaginal suppositories. And PhD offers a variety of holistic over-the-counter products, including their two new products. They have PhD boric acid sensitive foam wash, and it's the only boric acid foam wash on the market. And PhD's boric acid moisturizing suppositories, which are a holistic solution for vaginal odor while moisturizing your vagina. And they're both available on Amazon and Target. So PhD believes that vaginal care is crucial to your overall well-being. Register now at phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win to receive a free summer gift basket, which contains cruelty-free deluxe size beauty and lifestyle products, a retail value of over $100 plus a $500 Visa gift card. Go to phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win. Also get 20% off of all products right now when you use my code loveme. That's phdfeminineinhealth.com slash win. Okay, back to the show. And action. Hey everyone, I'm Sarah Gretzky. And I'm Natalie Buck. And together, we are the Nut Chicks. We're here to talk anything and everything on screen, including what your favorite celebs are up to. And if you want to know what shows we are absolutely loving and hating, well, thank God, because we will be unpacking for you every single Thursday. So grab your Netflix and some popcorn because the chicks are coming. And scene. When you decided on entrepreneurship, was that just because you're like, okay, well, this will give me the freedom to have my own. What was it about that, that really offered you what you needed? So I was 22 and I was sitting across from a friend of mine at a coffee shop and I had just gone to New York. I think I was moving my sister in for college and I bought a magazine and I'd always been in love with magazines. I always wanted it to be. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> when I was little, I was like, I want to be the editor in chief of Teen Vogue. That was my, you know, I like waited every month for Teen Vogue to come. And I interned for a magazine and I, I kind of it lost the allure during that. Granted, I quit because I was depressed, but in that short time, it kind of <laughs> lost the allure. So I was just looking at her reading my magazine and I said, do you want to start a magazine? And she's like, yeah. 
and we were just going to print it at Kinko's and we were going to take the photos with disposable cameras and pass it out to our friends for free, like very arts and crafts project. And something in my mind just shifted. I stayed up all night, basically. Well, not all night. It sounds a little manic, but it was probably, that was probably <laughs> yeah. a play. I researched every nice printer in like a 30-mile vicinity, and then I set up all of these nice appointments, and then all of a sudden they said, it's going to be 10K if you want to print it on the best paper to look like an indie magazine. And then I started a Kickstarter, raised the 10K, and then we had three issues, Barnes & Noble. The second one was in distributors nationwide. The third was in Barnes & Noble with Halsey on the cover. And oh <laughs> I was a barista, you know what I mean? Like a recovering mental health barista. And suddenly it was... And I think this is one of the most beautiful lessons if someone's listening and they are struggling with mental health and the path that either their friends or their family or just society wants them to take somehow is butting heads with them. It's just because they haven't found the right framework. Mm -hmm. I believe that entrepreneurship actually is an incredible avenue for those with mental health problems because people with mental health problems have to be in control of their schedule. They have to be in control of what they're doing. They have to be lit up by what they're doing because... You know, you don't get super depressed and locked up in a 5150 to come out and be like, I'm going to work a shitty corporate job. You know no. what I mean? Like, you don't do that. You you, you need meaning and you want something out of life if you're going to recover and move through this, which you will, by the way, everyone listening. So when you do, you want something that's going to light your light up, light your life up. And that doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, but entrepreneurship gives you the creativity and the magic to create that. Like, if I need a mental health afternoon, it's very easy for me to take one of those. Right. I don't have to report to anybody. I don't have to take like PTO to do that. It's easy for me. And I've been able to now build my business scouts agency in a way that works for me. So if you're struggling and the regular job route isn't working for you, entrepreneurship might really allow you to thrive. Yeah. And that that's why I feel like it speaks to me as well, because I have a TBI, which has like led to me having more depressive episodes. I was not someone that had ever dealt with depression mm -hmm. or anything like that. So, you know, coming out of, I was in an accident yeah. and fell through skylight and had brain injury. So once I had dealt with healing physically, I hadn't healed, you know, mm -hmm. mentally and emotionally. And so that's something that has been sort of a recurring thing in my life. So navigating my future and career and professionalism has been more of a challenge and yeah. also, you know, emotions and things like yeah. that. I mean, you didn't take the traditional route with your career. Has it been helpful? Because your career path is a little, with TV and stuff like that, it can be different because there's other people with producers and stuff like that. But has it been helpful, do you think, yeah. for your mental health just to kind of forge your own way a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it, I'm one of those people Yeah, that also needs to, to find things that really excite me yeah. and that do light up my life. And I will, if it's not serving me or not making me happy, I want to like change, you know, yeah. <laughs> pivot and, you know, so it's, but I like to sort of reinvent and, and you know, rebrand yeah. re and, and all of that frequently. But I am also someone that will get in my own way. Mm. And let things like some of the things that you even talk about, talk about that I want to talk about because, you know, things like fear, which I think, you know, can be used, but also I don't even want to say they get in our way because we use that and get in our own way. Yeah. Fear is one of my favorite things to talk about because I think it's incredibly misunderstood. Yeah. I think when most people feel fear, they view it as a warning sign. 
Mm-hmm. And when I feel fear, I view it as an invitation. I view it as this <laughs> challenge accepted. <Yeah. laughs> I view it as this incredible, like, oh, that thing that I'm thinking about is asking me to expand in a way that makes me uncomfortable because it's not in my comfort zone. And we all know what lives outside our comfort zone. Expansion, abundance, strength, clarity, life, expression, all of that. So anytime there's something that I want to do and it scares me, I mean, this also can take some, you know, emotional uh, practice because fear can be a warning sign. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) But in the context of I want to start a podcast or I want to release a music video or I want to start my own business, fear will come in to try to keep you in that comfort zone. And so if you can look at it as, oh, here's the first, here's like the first initiation into my new life. When fear arrives, it's because I have an idea that's about to change my life. So I welcome fear. I allow it to have a seat at the table, but it doesn't have a vote in how I move forward. Okay. I like that. Yeah. And the, but for me, it's always the uncertainty as well, which should, should be thrilling and exciting. Yeah. But for me, I'm very much of a control freak. So I'm like, okay. I, I'm like I kind of want to know what my odds are here. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm a control freak too in ways. And yet I'm very not, there needs to be another word. I'm not risk averse. So I'll take risks all day long. And I, I think it probably stems from my experience living with a mental illness where I'm like, how much worse can this get? So let's just go and make some fun choices here. But I think I think the point of uncertainty is we don't accept it because we think that we can do things to control our lives when in reality, we can't control anything. We take jobs that have job security and we think that that is giving us certainty in our future when that's not necessarily true. A pandemic can happen. Your Your boss can pivot and, you know, get away with your whole freaking department. Let's say things happen. The world moves. Personal life stuff happens that you could have never anticipated or planned for. So I think that we use we use like I'm afraid of uncertainty as a way to feed our fear mm-hmm. when really everything we do is uncertain. There is literally no guarantee other than the fact that we'll die yeah. that life can afford us. <laughs> so if life cannot give you a guarantee at all, take down the illusions that you have any control here and do the thing that scares you. Yeah, <laughs> like that still scares me. I mean, like, <laughs> what, what would be like the first step that you would take? Like, like the best practice, besides just saying go for it and saying mm-hmm. fuck fear, practical steps. Yes. If you're like, let's say you want to start a business, okay. and you're like, I'm scared because I could fail, or I, it, you know, it. Let's say it's a terrible idea, or, yeah. you know, like whatever, whatever dumb intrusive thought enters your mind. Mm-hmm. What what is like something that you do? whenever you have a new idea. Yeah. First of all, you probably will fail. I failed multiple times. I think we all have. (laughs) It's just part of the game. I think the first thing, if you want to do something and you're afraid, I always say to get it out of your head. So make an Instagram handle, post something, add your friends, you know, put a story and tag and say like, this is my new business. Tell five people you're close to, text your dad, text your, your significant other, whatever it is. If you can get it out of your head and in front of other people, suddenly it's not this idea that's like confined in your brain that's going crazy and chaotic. Suddenly it lives outside of you, right? So 
that's the first step in my opinion that just make the Instagram handle buy the domain name make a logo on Canva and get it into a couple people's public eyes not for feedback let's not go there yet but just to let them know that this is happening I think that's the biggest hurdle people have is just telling people. And once you've told people, that friend's going to ask you next week how it's going. Accountability. And, and you're going to have to answer that question. <laughs> well, yeah, because I'm someone that like won't say anything until I know like for sure it's happening or it's mm. like actually like a real thing, you know, because let's say it doesn't end up happening or it doesn't work, then I will, you know, th- that sort of because of the fail, the failure or that fear of embarrassment or Mm -hmm. people, you know, people thinking like, oh, so you're all talk. People judging your actions, you know. Katie, you're like, (laughs) you have put your, it's so funny, interesting to like hear that from someone like you because you've put yourself in a position where that's kind of what happens in the public eye, right? Yeah. And so for someone who does that on a level that I couldn't even fucking fathom, right? Like I get a mean comment on my podcast and I'm like crying for two weeks. (laughs) It's like, that what you can do so easily on your Instagram and on TV, take that and put it towards a project that you want to do. It's the same exact emotional thing, but it's somehow like not resonating for something else, but it's resonating for something different, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. you're actually really good at that. I think I am. Yeah. I mean, listen, I've, there's 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 certain projects I've had that I've done for years. I had, yeah. you know, I had a beauty blog and I did it until it didn't serve me anymore. Yeah. And yes, people think I failed or that, that it failed or it didn't. And it's just like, no. No, that just didn't serve me. Too. I yeah, just we, wanted to move on from it. Yeah, we have to like stop with the, you do one thing and then if you do something else that want the first thing failed. It's like mm. everything catapults you into the next thing very beautifully and we're done like we got to be done with the whole like you got to do one thing for the rest of your life and if you change it like failed or something no I will that that's that is that is a very bleak existence I mean for some people that's great if you you know if you decide especially if you decide to do something like be a doctor or some you know that you're going to go to school for a billion years on and spend tons of money on an education for different yeah you're probably going to do that for you. That's going to be a life career. But, you know, to be a beauty blogger. <laughs> yeah, you can change. You're probably not going to, you know, I don't know, for some people maybe. But yeah. for me, that was that was a moment in my yeah. life that I learned a lot doing and yeah. about myself and then yeah. moved on from, you know. Yeah. But I want to do a lot of things. Yeah, but I'm the same just, way. You know, and I, and I think everyone should. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but, you know, I do. I listen. I think it's one of the most, you know natural things to to sort of be fearful of and be you know yeah it like, is. I'm a very like nervous anxious creature over here I'm like yeah <laughs> it's so weird because I'm so anxious and obviously you know I got some stuff going on but <laughs> I really think that getting that low was the biggest blessing because what someone else thinks of the way I live my life is so inconsequential to where I could be and so Yes, you're right. Those feelings are extremely, extremely normal for humans to have. I have them all the time. And at one point, do we say they just don't serve us? Like the mm-hmm. same way the beauty blog didn't serve you after some time. Like there is a point where we can get stuck in echo chambers of our own thoughts that are negative and aren't moving us forward. And 
it is not as easy as just making a decision for those to go away, but it does start with the decision that those don't serve you anymore so that when they come up, you can consciously remember like, oh yeah, that thing that's holding me back that like really doesn't make my life any bigger. Yes. You can then interject a new thought and that takes a long time. Nothing, nothing that I'm saying is like easy or simple, <laughs> but you know, I think we, I think we go on with that narrative like way too long, like what other people think about us. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think especially in the age of social media, it's really difficult for a lot of people to yeah. to not care or not feed into the opinions of strangers, yeah. of other people and all of that. But in terms of feelings like anxiety or stress, mm-hmm. what do you do to manage that? I mean, I know you say feeling safe in your those emotions. Mm-hmm. How do you manage those? I mean, I know it's some work yeah. but I mean like because I, I know I like w- my therapist she'd be like when you feel anxious hum oh that's good because like, like or tap there's yeah. like certain like sensories on your face and stuff that you can tap to help mm-hmm. alleviate mm-hmm. is there things that you do yeah a bunch <laughs> the first thing that I started really doing that really helped was that I noticed that my core belief was that I was unsafe in my emotional experience I had told myself all the time that when I get depressed, my life goes down the gutter. When I get anxious, I lose job opportunities. When this happens, you know, my life goes to shambles, et cetera. So I was feeding myself all this evidence that I was unsafe in my emotional experience. And I think for most of us, we feel unsafe in our emotional experience. Like anxiety and depression is not a safe place to be for a lot of us. And so the first thing I did, I mean, look, there's so many things like moving energy and journaling and walking and meditating and tapping and humming and morning routines. And you guys know all of those. I promise you, you know all of them. You've heard them a million times. The thing that really, really finally helped me was rewiring my core belief to that I am safe in my emotions. So the way I did that was... I wrote it on a post-it note. I put it all over my house. I put it on my mirror that I looked at every morning. I put it on the background of my phone. I put it on the background of my computer. I said it to myself a million times. When I felt anxious, I would just write it over and over and over again. I'm safe in my emotions. I'm safe in my emotions. That helped me over about four months. I did it like religiously every day. It allowed me to change my perspective on what I was going through. I think I've I think if anybody's listening and and they want to get through anxiety and depression, you will get through it with so much more strength and confidence if you feel safe in those experiences. And so for me now, when I get anxious or depressed, I remind myself that this is a very normal human experience that I'm having and that I'm safe in this experience if I can just give myself a couple minutes to really, really feel it. And then I like, I'm like, okay, here we go. Pump it. I literally say pump the depression through my body in a safe space. If you feel comfortable doing this alone, or if you need to do it with a therapist, you can, and you just sit there and you feel safe and, or you don't feel safe. You feel the emotions while reminding yourself that you are safe in it. I think that's a really excellent idea because I think often when you have those types of emotions that are scary and uncomfortable, you don't want to fully experience them. You want to disassociate, you want to just like sleep or just, just not exist Mm -hmm. in it. I know that's how I feel. Like if I ever feel really depressed, I'll just lay in my bed and just like watch a movie or yeah, just disassociate. I think telling yourself to feel safe or tell yourself to feel it and experience it, but to be safe in it, I think is how you, how you learn to, 
to love. Yeah. Love the whole spectrum of emotions. And yeah, I've never thought about it that way. Well, I think that I realized while I was rewiring this core belief that we really love our lives conditionally. Mm, Like when we feel good and we're successful and things are hidden off to a great start, like we love our lives. And when we feel depressed and anxious or something goes wrong or we go through a traumatic experience, we don't like our lives. No. And so I made a pledge to myself that I was put here to experience the human experience. And I'm not going to judge or belittle some of the experiences because they feel a different way in my body. And so if you can pledge to love the whole thing, want the whole thing, here to experience the whole thing, suddenly when the spectrum on the other side that once felt unsafe comes, you don't have to like it, but at least you accept it. Yeah. You know? Preach. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, I just think we, yeah, we're always trying to stay at a baseline or get back to that. Yeah. I think like, okay, this is where I'm comfortable. This is where I need to be like the, the other stuff. No, thanks. But because it, it's never going to be happy, yeah. you know, and that's it. Never. You're, you're never going to be healed fully. No. You're never going to just like be joyful or peaceful for the rest of your life. Like mm. there's always going to be things that come up that are new challenges. And I think that we resist that part, but it's like the, the part of being human. It's like the only thing that's a constant in us is that, we fluctuate so significantly. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, cause life comes at you. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. You can, you can, all you can do is just try to, you know, pivot and not look for people or things to, to drag you out of it. Yeah. But to, to just love and accept yourself. Yeah. And feel it. Feel it. Yeah. Feel the feels. You, you have know? to feel it. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a bummer. I know, but like the only way to get over a feeling or to let it move through your body or to allow it to not get repressed and then, you know, power up your automatic thoughts and your automatic patterns and all the subconscious stuff is to feel it. And it's, it's painful to feel stuff like that. Okay. So what, I mean, we just said a lot on the <laughs> topic, but because it is, you know, mental health awareness month. So regardless of where people are, in their mental health journey. I mean, it is stigmatized. What would like one message be to people who maybe are nervous or feel judged for wanting to speak to friends and don't feel supported? Because even though it's about supporting yourself Mm -hmm. through this most importantly, but you know, what would you, what would you want the message to be this month? Two messages. The first is that you are safe in your emotions. And if you don't feel safe, you get to be supported while you feel them so that you can feel held. But ultimately, everything that you're going through is a human experience that you were put here on earth to have because you're a human. And it's the reframing of this human experience that I think will allow us to feel safe and confident and strong when challenges hit us. So if there's anything you take from this, you are safe in your emotions. And the second thing, is that you can have a mental illness and have a successful life. I had a very severe illness where people didn't think that I would make anything of myself. I'm here. My husband and I are celebrating 10 years together this year. We just bought a house. I own a business. Congrats. Thank you. I have a book. I have two podcasts. I have a beautiful, thriving life that I honestly wake up every day and I am so grateful and in awe of everything I get to experience on a daily basis. And that is possible for someone with a mental illness. I think part of the stigma is that those who suffer mentally are not capable 
and they can't show up when really those with mental illnesses, once they learn who they are and find a confidence and a strength within and can befriend their mental illness, they are truly, truly unstoppable in the best way possible. So that's the second message. That is really inspiring. Thank you. I love, I think I got so many good tips out of this <laughs> and I hope everyone else did as well. I think everyone should definitely check out both your podcasts. Okay. We have we have okay sis. Okay sis. That's what I do with my sister. Which is really cute and yeah, fun. And it's, it's very fun. like it's very like women power. Yeah, like, we I'm, only have we have to have you on. We have to have you on. I'd love to come we on. We only have women on. So that's like my main podcast that I've been yeah. doing with Mads for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then she got sick of me saying the word bipolar disorder so many times. So I have the emotional entrepreneur podcast where it's a lot more mental health and business focused because she was she was done with the, <laughs> with the mental illness talk, so I had to create a second space for that. Amazing. And then where can everyone find you on social or your website or if yeah. they just want to get more Scout? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's the best place, at Scout Sobel. It's got all my stuff in the bio and the link in bio and all that. And then you can get my book, The Emotional Entrepreneur on Amazon. It's, yeah, y'all, y'all should really check it out. Oh, and I like to end my podcast with the Rage Text of the Day. Mm. I don't know how much you are familiar with Rage Texting, but if there's a person, a place, an inanimate object, just something that's really just filling you with all the rage, what would, what would you send it to? <laughs> like an object that's giving me rage or anything sure, in the world any, that's, that's just, pissing me off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of things I feel like pissing me off. I feel like I've been angry this week, to be honest. Um, I love you, husband, so much, but I got really angry at you this weekend when you thought the shower was more important than getting me food. So I had a little bit of a... In a little bit of a fit. <laughs> so that's what I would say. <laughs> the husband never, never choose a shower over getting the wife food. Right, right. That's what I think. So I would have to say that, but I love him. He's amazing and a doll, but that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind right now. <laughs> have you ever sent a rage text? No. Oh. I send them to my girlfriends about the thing that I want to send to the person. Okay. That's healthy practice. I, I like to get <laughs> out the rage to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And say all the things, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, don't hold back, say all the words. And then I like to try to be a little bit like, you know, get that energy out, move the energy. And then I can be a little bit more calm and composed because when you're in that rage thing, nothing good's going to come of it. No, so. but sometimes it feels so good. <laughs> it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. I, I've never sent one of those. I'm not really an angry person so much and I'm not confrontational. Okay. So I'm becoming more confrontational, but yeah, I've never sent a rage text. Well, that makes one of us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Scout. I loved having you on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. My pleasure. Well, until next time, I love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review. Follow along on social at Music Kills Kate and tune in next week for an all new episode.